Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. There is this moment in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. It says that at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? There's something about that question that I've never really been able to let go of. And I wonder if there is anything more unsettling than the feeling that suddenly realizing that your entire support system has vanished. You have this moment where you turn in sort of a knee-jerk desperation towards whomever or whatever it was that you thought would always be there for you. And it was gone. I think in, in these sorts of moments, panic sets in, especially if whatever it was had been such a seamless part of your life for so long that maybe you started taking it for granted and it had never really occurred to you to imagine a life without it because you just thought it was always going to be there. And so the moment that whatever it was was suddenly ripped from you, you were shocked and you were surprised and you were left with little to no stability. It felt like you were free-falling. Untethered, unprotected, exposed, alone and afraid. And I think this moment on the cross brings up an even bigger question, which is like, what do you do when what you thought was always going to be there for you was God? But in your most agonizing moment, he is eerily silent and abrasively absent. Now, Jesus, at this point in his life, he'd already suffered more than most of us would ever be able to imagine. He was regularly misunderstood and lied about and judged and ridiculed and mocked and hated. He'd been betrayed by one of his very best friends, falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned, sentenced to death. He'd been beaten, cursed at, spit on, yelled at. His followers fled. He was stripped naked and shamed and murdered on maybe the most brutal torture device known to man, causing him to slowly suffocate in front of everyone he'd ever loved. And every time in Jesus' life up to this point where he felt lonely or misunderstood or like people didn't get him or understand what he was saying or going through, he would turn to his father, God, for comfort. And now for the first time, since the beginning of time, the first time in his entire existence, he turns towards heaven and realizes he's alone. 
I would argue is probably the loneliest any human has ever been, ever. And at least in theory, he knew it was coming. But I gotta tell you, like, just because you know something's coming doesn't mean you know what it's gonna feel like when it gets there. Like, there's no way to experience, uh, anticipate the, the agony of, of certain experiences. There's no way to experience it in advance. And just because you can predict it doesn't mean that you were fully prepared for it. Maybe you've been there. Like you knew, you knew the relationship was ending. You, you knew that it wasn't going well. Maybe you even initiated it. But the day that the divorce papers actually came, it was different. It felt so defeating. You knew the move was going to be hard. You expected that you were going to feel lonely at times, but that first Friday where there was no one to text that was close enough to drive to be with you and do anything close, it was way more isolating than you ever could have imagined. You knew you were sick. You knew like what the tests were for. You knew what they were running. But none of it could have prepared you for sitting in front of a doctor and having him look at you in the eye for a really long time and and whisper to you, stage four. The way that it felt so final. Like you knew they were, you knew they were dead. You you helped plan the funeral. It's not like it was a, a surprise, but there was something about staring at a hole in the ground next to a box that held their body that just made them feel gone for real. And in these overwhelming moments, time stands still. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. It's hard to absorb that like this is, this is reality. And we find ourselves thinking in these moments, this is not my life. This is a dream. This has got to be fake. I'm, I'm not here. This isn't happening. Except it is. You know what the disciples thought would never happen? This. They thought for so long, Jesus can't die. He's, he's, he's invincible. He's the only thing about my small life that is stable. He can't, he can't be dead. This can't be real. I'm not here. This isn't happening. And I would imagine there was at least part of Jesus that, that felt this way too. And in the silence, as he felt the life leaving his body, struggling under the weight of the sin of all humanity, he gruelingly gathers one last breath in his broken lungs and he screams at the sky, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But Jesus isn't just venting, he's, he's quoting. And every single Jew that would have been within earshot of his voice would have recognized this line from this, this sort of journal entry turned him in Psalm chapter 22. King David wrote it in one of the lowest moments of his life. 
It's a piece of a quote. And if you read the whole thing, David writes, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, but you don't answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And when you read this in its fullness, you start to get this feeling that it's, it's less of a statement about this single excruciating moment. And it's more like despair over a season of suffering that just won't stop. Like you're, 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 you're stuck in it, but you're also afraid to fully feel it because you're nervous that if you do, you're gonna get trapped in it forever. And I wonder if you have ever been so overwhelmed with grief in life that you wondered to yourself, like, is it, is it, is it always gonna be this bad? Because I'm trying and I, I can't imagine anything else. And if you begin to believe this, you, you might find yourself being driven to some pretty desperate, maybe even self-destructive things in order to get out of it, to make it stop. A little over six years ago, we bought a house and I'm cheap and I didn't want to pay two mortgage payments. And so I had this really smart idea. I was like, let's move into a small camper, all five of us. And my wife loves me too much. And so she was like, okay, let's do it. And we moved all of us into this camper and um, while we built out and remodeled this, this new home, we tore it down to the studs and we lived in this little tiny, I know you're envisioning a really nice camper and it was not. And I remember this one specific moment and Zeke, who's our youngest, was about like five at the time. This is a picture of him then. And he fell asleep in the camper and Gretchen needed to do something in the house. And so she went in just for a minute. She closed the door and, and but he woke up and she was in the house and he started yelling for her and she couldn't hear him. And he kept yelling and yelling and he was too small to like open up the door. And he was like, he was like trapped in there and he, he started freaking out. He started, he started yelling and he was like clawing and he, he, he tore like the blinds off the windows and he was banging on the walls. And finally she heard something and went out and, and just saw what looked like a wild animal just loose inside of the trailer, just scraping and clawing and screaming. And she went in and he jumped on her and, and he was like, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? He was convinced that she just left, that, that he was all alone. And what came out of him was like this animalistic thing. We started calling him bear after that, Zekel bear, because it was like what we imagined a bear being trapped in a camper and the damage that was done. And I got to let you know, like, you know, it's not good when a friend borrows a camper and when they return it, the first thing they say is, you have insurance, right? Um, just a question. It's not, this isn't like an heirloom or whatever. Was torn to shreds, and I think back on that moment, and it was this out of loneliness, out of pain, it was this unhinged physical display of emotional pain. 
And I bring this up because I think like as we age, it's not like we stop getting hurt. We just get better at hiding. Like we can, we're not allowed to do that anymore. And we start to see sadness as inappropriate. And so we internalize it and we domesticate it and we push it down and we lock it away and we board it up in our bodies. But what happens when we get hurt and there's nowhere to channel the angst? When there's no one safe to, to share it with? Jesus famously said in one of his one of his teachings, he, he says that, that God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. And, and, and I've always thought that was incredible, except that it brings up a question of like, what about those who never really allow themselves to mourn? The comfort never comes. The pain mutates, the heart hardens, and the body rebels. And instead of being comforted, we just end up coping. For a lot of us, it's not working. On the cross, Jesus shows us that we, we can't skip over. We can't ignore or go around hurt. We got to face it. We have to move through it. And that is never not hard. But he shows us something else in the midst of this moment too. Psalm 22, this writing from David, it actually exists in two parts. And the first that Jesus quotes on the cross is this detailed account of David's despair, and it's heartbreaking. And the second is different. The second is a heartfelt prayer of thanksgiving. It feels bipolar. It feels really confusing to read it together. And David writes the first when he is steeped in suffering and he writes the second when God steps in and saves him. And when I think about this in the context of the cross, it's almost as if Jesus is repeating this poem because he's reminding himself and he's reminding us that regardless of what you're facing, that even the darkest feelings don't last forever. That God has not forgotten you. And what is most interesting to me about the abandonment Jesus experienced on the cross is that he embraced it willingly. And why would someone do that? Love. He does it for you and me. He allows himself to take on our sin and be forsaken so that we would never have to be. And that is what love looks like. Jesus, on Good Friday, chose the pain of abandonment so you would never be abandoned in your pain. And it's because of what Jesus did that God promises us something that he was never able to promise his own son that he will never leave you or abandon you. Meaning that you will never have a moment of suffering where you turn to God in agony and realize he's absent. It doesn't mean that you won't go through pain, 
but it means that when you inevitably do, you do not have to do it on your own. You see, I think the thing that we miss about Good Friday is that it's about being honest about all the places that you're broken and what broke you and how bad it hurts. And the reason that we take the time to slow down and pull it out in the open and confess it and express it and fully feel it and sit in it for a minute is because it's only when we stop hiding that we can start healing. You know where we find the disciples after the crucifixion? Huddled together in this tiny room, mourning and comforting each other, connecting through their collective sorrow, their communing. And this is what I want to ask you on this Good Friday. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you have pushed down and tried to avoid. I don't know what you are living in denial of. I don't know what you're running away from. But I wonder, what if you trusted God and your spiritual community with the depth of your suffering? What if you dared to believe that you could make it to the other side? What if you dared to believe that you could make it from the first part of the psalm to the second? What have you stopped hiding? Because the question is not, will hurtful things happen? But when they do, will you mourn them? Will you allow the comfort and compassion that your sadness elicits to console you or where you push it down even further, prolonging the pain of isolation? And here's the lie that we're led to believe that loss has to mean loneliness. And it's not true but it's often what we choose. Don't. Whatever comes up for you in this moment, whatever you've spent the whole rest of the year avoiding Good Friday is the day that we let ourselves mourn. What if you decided that you weren't going to numb out, that you weren't going to avoid your pain, that you weren't going to pretend that your hurt isn't real, that you weren't going to hide your disappointment, that you weren't going to deny your doubt, that you were going to enter into it. Because the truth is, the path to resurrection and restoration is through death. It's through the pain. It's through the heartache. And Good Friday is about understanding this and embracing it and sitting in it and accepting it. And this is what I would encourage you to do. The same thing God wants of you, to not skip to Sunday, but to sit in Friday with us, with this community, with God himself in the dark and acknowledge your brokenness and allow yourself to weep to share it with people who genuinely care about you and realize that even though you have lost something, you are not alone. See, Jesus took on the darkness so that in your darkest moment, 
There would always be this little sliver of light to lead you back to hope. And most often that sliver of light is found in the same place today that it was for the early disciples then. It's found in being the real you and hurting alongside people who genuinely love you. Is believing that although the story is so gut-wrenching, but all the, the pain is so real, it feels like it will never end, that the story is not over. But we cannot flip the page until we fully absorbed this chapter. Don't skip ahead. Mourn and be comforted. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I know you see every person, every heart, every heartache. I know you know everything that has happened to every person in this place and all the ways that that rip in their stability ripped them apart. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. As so many of us have been running away and avoiding having to face what happened and how bad it hurt. And in this moment, although we may feel alone, we are not alone. We are surrounded by your people and we are infilled with your spirit. God, I'm grateful that you allowed yourself to be abandoned. You allowed yourself to enter in the worst pain any human could experience so that when we are in the most pain, we don't have to be abandoned. And God, I pray that we would resist what is unnecessary, and that is the loneliness in the face of loss. That instead we would open our arms and we would embrace you. We would embrace your love, your grace, your mercy, and your sacrifice. And on this Good Friday, we would stop avoiding We would sit in a moment of acceptance. Not that it's what we want, but it's what happened. And in that moment, in this moment, we would feel surrounded by your comfort. Do what only you can do in us, God, as we surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, Help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. 
Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.